with Frank Mymars in the pitch. Swung on and hit the right field. Lay back there. Lay back there. Oh, God! Parker Quinn! Parker Quinn! Scheffler gets away towards the dugout. Here comes Bianco! Tigers win! Tigers win! All right, welcome back to another edition of Tigers Win. Coming to you on a Friday afternoon as LSU gears up for a road weekend at Auburn looking for a third straight sweep. Tigers on a roll. They're top of the SEC right now, ahead of Vanderbilt in winning percentage. One game back in, uh, in terms of wins, but one less loss as well. Two games uh, less played than Vanderbilt. So a big weekend for LSU. Who better to preview it with than Doug Thompson, former LSU pitcher, national champion. Now you hear him every time you listen to LSU uh, on the radio. Doug, how are you? I know you're uh, you're en route to uh, a separate baseball event, so we appreciate your time today. I'm well. I'm well. Couldn't be in a better mood. Uh, going to do what I love to do the most. That's watch my sons and their teammates play baseball. We're headed to South Haven, Mississippi, which is just south of Memphis. So we've got a little bit of a ride ahead of us. I have. Uh, Thanks some, for having me, though, Cody. No, great to have you. I have some great memories from 13 and 14 year old baseball going up to South Haven. I think one year we won a, maybe a U Triple SA World Series up there uh, with the Louisiana Tigers. So that my my coach at the time was Leo McClure, who uh, I'm sure you know, Coach Leo through through Trey. He used to tell us, and I'll clean up the language I a little do. bit. I'll clean up the language of what he used to tell us, which was uh, he would give a left arm to go back and play 13- and 14-year-old baseball. Uh, he used something else besides an arm. I'll let your imagination come up with that. Uh, but, yeah, that's the best time. So uh, enjoy it while you can. Tell your kids to enjoy it while you can because it flies by. Actually, we're uh, headed up for a 9U tournament. My uh, my older son is here in Baton Rouge, so I'll miss him this weekend. Actually, he's on the – He's on the injured reserve list right now, but it's a great time. Uh, lots of stress, but I always say blessed and stressed at the same time because uh, it's a lot of fun, too. Of course, watching those Tigers has been a lot of fun lately as well. Yeah, I was about to say a lot more blessed than stressed, although they've made a couple games interesting, but here we are well over halfway through the SEC slate. The Tigers uh, wire to wire number one this this year uh, in the national polls. And so, Doug, I guess, I guess going into this final stretch of SEC play, um, the Tigers have really started to heat up a couple sweeps in a row. I think it's a seven-game win streak in the SEC now. They're they're doing everything right. They're not doing everything perfect, but they're doing everything right to win. Um, but when you look at this team, like where do they have to get better? I think I think we know the answer. But from your perspective and where where you sit, where do they have to get better uh, over these these next couple of SEC games? I think they just have to be where where they've been. Stay right where they've been which is competing to win games all the way through nine innings, putting games away early when they sense blood in the water. Um, the, the kids that no one really thought of pitching because there was so much depth uh, ahead of them are now really starting to step up and hit their stride, such as Christian Little, Batcher Hurd, uh, Blake Money. I thought I think Sammy Dutton's been throwing well. Javen Coleman, uh, you know, those names, other than Christian Little and Batcher Hurd, are all, all people that – you know, we knew they were on the staff, but they certainly weren't being discussed much on media day, if you know what I mean. Um, and, and when we talked about this, this team early in the season, we often talked about their depth. But I think we might have been a little short-sighted on how much depth that bullpen uh, might actually have had. Because, I mean, look, those are big injuries uh, to Shores and Edwards. And, of course, uh, you know, at the beginning of the year with Grant Taylor, uh, the Saturday starter. Uh, 
uh, and to overcome that and still be wire to wire so far number one, uh, that just shows that this team is is uh, it has everything that they need to be in that you know that final eight seed, which would mean they're hosting a regional. Um, so I think that they've got to be good at doing exactly what they've done. I really don't think that there's anything else uh, that they have to exceed at. Of course, everyone can improve in certain areas, um, but I, I really want, like the way that this team has competed despite. Uh, the big losses to that pitching staff. Yeah, and that's where I was going to go, Doug, is is the bullpen specifically. And we've started to see them turn a corner and give some big innings, um, You know, whether it's Riley Cooper last week and giving you two and a third big innings at the end of, uh, of that series against Alabama, whether it's Thatcher Hurd, who's sort of emerged as a closer option now, and him and Christian Little seem to have flipped roles. You mentioned those two guys, Hurd and Little, and I'm curious from your perspective and how close you are to the program, do you think they've settled into these roles, or is, is Jay Johnson in a position where you know he could tinker on any given weekend and maybe if Thatcher keeps throwing as well as he has, try to get him back as a starter, move Little back to the bullpen, or do you think they've found something that works and they'll stick with it until it's not working anymore? Well, that's a great question because I, I don't think anyone really knows what the answer to that question is. I, I think uh, the answer to that question uh, is in the performance of those pitchers, and I think you got to add Javen Coleman in that mix in terms of who that yeah. you know that third starter will be. I think Ty Floyd has solidified that Saturday role, but will it be Javen Coleman and then Christian Little goes back to the bullpen or Thatcher Hurd? Like that's a great question. And, I, and one that I'll be interested to see how that plays out because I like the way all three of those guys have thrown the ball, and I like the way Blake Money's thrown it as well. Yeah, Money's been big for LSU out of the pen lately, giving them an inning here, <clears throat> an inning there, throwing a lot of strikes, keeping the ball over the plate. I want to look at, at uh, the, the lineup, and the lineup's pretty set at this point in the season, Doug, but you're starting to get some pieces back that maybe we're out for a little bit. I'm thinking about Paxton Kling um, specifically. We saw him this weekend, and – Boy, he picked up right where he left off with, um, with with the home run he hit late against Alabama. Um, and that right field spot, you know, the kind of the, the, the corner outfield spots, Trey, I think, has settled in at left. But really that right field spot's been um, a spot where they've platooned a little bit. How do you see that spot specifically evolving for LSU? Is it going to be matchup based? Is Jay going to ride the hot hand? He's got so many options um, with with that position and really with a number of positions, but that right field spot specifically, whether it's clean, whether you know Braden Jobert is out there, whether it's Josh Pearson, he's got some choices. How do you think he plays it out over the rest of the season? Yeah, and that's the beauty of it. It's all those different options. You got Pearson and Jobert. Uh, and, and cling, and you know, you can go with the hot hand, you can go with the matchups, you can go with who had a better round of BP. I mean, all three of those players have their different uh, strengths, right? And, um, and, and Paxton Kling, to me, when you look at the program, right, and what's best for the program, you know, that kid being out there means something when you look at next year's roster, right? Because when you look at next year's roster, there's some big names uh, that are missing. And kid guys like Pax and Kling are going to have to step up and be dudes, maybe even in the middle or certainly at the front of the lineup. So I, I love when he gets out there. But listen, when I write Joe Bear's name down in, in, in my scorebook, uh, that doesn't hurt my feelings either because, mm-hmm. um, you know, although maybe not quite the defender that Pax and Kling is, um, you know, we, we often forget he had 18 home runs last year. And uh, he, he's got potential to get hot as well. Um, and then, of course, um, Look, Jerry Jones can even be thrown into that kind of rotation because, of course, you know, Pearson and Joe Bear could be in the lineup. 
uh, with those two left-handed bats and left and right. Uh, and, and, and Morgan could go to first base. And then, of course, you know, uh, Jared Jones could be the DH. I mean, uh, there's just so many different things that uh, Jay Johnson could do with that lineup, which is one of the things that makes them, uh, you know, so unique and so difficult to, to play against. I mean, same even with the catcher spot. You know, Alex Malazzo has really, really stepped up. He's hitting the ball well. We know what he can do defensively. Hayden Travinsky, every time he steps up in a clutch moment, he hits the ball over the fence. And then Brady Neal's going to come back at some yeah. point and be ready to go. So options and right, options at catcher. You know, one, one person I've been thinking about in particular, uh, Doug, that we haven't talked about yet, and it's a guy that, as you talk about next season, could be in a completely different role. But this season he has a very important role to play. That's Gavin Guidry. Uh, he came into the season competing for a spot at second base, potentially the shortstop of the future when Jordan Thompson moves on. Yet here we are in his freshman season, and he's a big arm out of the bullpen. Um, from your perspective as a guy that pitched yeah. that pitched at this level, I mean, how hard is it to do what he's done, which is come into the season with one plan to play on the infield, change that plan at the early part of the season, and then pitch as well as he's pitched? And um, what do you think makes him special and especially suited to do that? Um, well, first of all, he's got a lot of beliefs. Like he, he believes he should be out there. He believes he can be out there and he pitches like that. And when he plays on the infield, when he bats, he bats like that. And he comes from that, you know, great program over there at Barb and they've played the best of the best. And he's used to be a number one and all that good stuff. Um, not to mention he's six foot two and a half, six foot three. I'm not real sure what the program says, but he's a big athletic kid. I mean, there's a lot of Austin Bain in him in terms of, yeah. Uh, obviously, right, in terms of being able to get on the mound and compete, not just throw strikes, but actually get outs in this league. And then even go up there and, and hold your own defensively or at the plate. I mean, uh, he's an exciting player. And, again, he's kind of like Paxton Kling. The more he gets out on the field, uh, it really builds the future every time they get out there and have a moment or experience a moment, such as that save uh, that, that Gavin Gidry got a couple weeks ago that's so big in his development as a player. Doug, all these pieces are going to be so critical to LSU's success down the stretch here as they wrap up SEC play, as they get ready for the postseason. But we've got to talk about what Dylan Cruz and Tommy White specifically are doing in the middle of the order for LSU this year. And we could talk about it every single time we do a baseball podcast. We do talk about it every time we do a baseball podcast because it's that special. Give me the historical context here. Give me the the broader perspective as somebody that watches a lot of college baseball has played it. How special is what Cruz and White in the middle of that lineup have done this year? How unique is what we're seeing from LSU this season with those two guys? I'll just draw a comparison for each one in terms of like how unique it is for the program. Uh, Dylan Cruz is comparable to Todd Walker. Uh, the only reason Dylan Cruz will never be the, the true greatest of all time at LSU is because Todd Walker has two national championship ranks, right? Yeah. Um, no, he didn't win the Golden Spikes, but he hit 396 uh, over his career, uh, which, again, I mean, think about that for a minute. I mean, the guy almost hit 400 over his college career. And when you look at the stats, they're comparable, but, you know, Todd's got about 120 more career at-bats at this moment uh, than Dylan Cruz. He's got 21 more doubles. Um, he's, he walked, uh, he struck out by the way, Todd Walker, 91 times over his career. Cruz is up to 122 strikeouts. Uh, they're similar with walks. Todd's got about 80 more RBIs. Um, there, there's, I, I think Dylan's got about, hopefully the Tigers have what, 25, 27 more games, something mm-hmm. like that. Uh, you know, 
before they're crowned the national champion, knock on wood. Um, and, and it'll be interesting to see because that should put Dylan with another hundred or so at bats, um, you know, give or take. And then we'll be able to tell better. But uh, what we're seeing is a Todd Walker-like player. Uh, once every 30 years uh, or, you know, whatever it's been um, type player. And to compare Tommy White, um, you know, he's on pace for 100 RBIs. Again, if we play another 25 games or so, which isn't out of the question, by the way. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, that's Brandon Larson. Like this this one year, and I, you know, good, the good news is Tommy White will be back next year, which is mm-hmm. outstanding. Um, but for to come in one year, you know, almost out of nowhere, like meaning they, did, they didn't put the freshman and sophomore year, a new player to the program, and drop in 100 runs. I mean, he's, he's leading the country in RBIs, and, uh, you know, he's driving in, you know, 1.8 runs a game or something just crazy like that so uh, just to put in perspective those are the two names that i would draw comparison to uh for both of those players and then one name that we haven't discussed yet because it's almost a given as to how dominant he's going to be and has been is paul Skeens, and he's on the hill tonight as else he goes to to auburn and and he's just been you know he's been the best pitcher that i've ever seen at lsu um i i grew up watching you know your era the 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 early 90s the was when I really was kind of old enough to start uh, taking an LSU baseball. Uh, I think Aaron Nola had been that guy for me until this season. And now, you know, Nola was able to do it over a longer period of time because we're only going to have Paul Skeens for a year, unfortunately. But top-end stuff, I mean, Keith Law put out a, a report this week that I thought was phenomenal. He came and scouted Cruz and Skeens and said Skeens has the, the – he's the hardest-throwing starting pitching prospect he's ever seen. And that, you know, he made the comparisons, obviously, but that he's just – that far and ahead of any other pitching prospect this year as a guy that's done it at this level, Doug, like when you watch Skeens, in addition to this stuff, like what makes him special and unique and has put him in the position to be the ace for this team? 124 strikeouts and 12 walks. <laughs> and the most impressive number for me is, is the 12 walks. I mean, ridiculous. I learned today that last year in the major leagues, every fastball over a hundred miles an hour that was thrown in the middle, middle of the plate, Right. Out of all of them thrown, zero home runs were hit. And based on that, Paul Skeens is, could be – like who's the number one starter in the major leagues right now? Jacob DeGrom or there's four or five names you would throw in that, in that, in, in that mix. And, and the reason you would throw them in that mix is, of course, they have great off-speed stuff, but their fastballs are over 100 miles an hour for five or six innings. And Paul Skeens has done that literally like ten starts in a row, like – I make I make a point to mention on the radio when they're at home. This is his 98th pitch of the night. That fastball is 99 miles an hour. Uh, that's crazy. I mean, right? And this guy's six foot six, 250 pounds. Um, it's just it's unbelievable what we're seeing. He's striking out 17 per nine innings. The best ever was Russell Springer at LSU, who struck who struck out in one season 14.33 batters per nine innings. Uh, and again, Skeens is at 17 per nine innings if he doubles his innings for the rest of the year uh which he likely won't we're probably you know best case scenario going to see six seven more starts uh and if he does that and he goes six innings to start best case 42 more innings on the year that would mean he's right around 100 innings pitched if he gets to 100 innings pitched he's going to be real close to where ben had 100 or 202 strikeouts in 1989 and won the golden spikes which is still an SEC record, by the way. So the, 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 the big interesting piece about, though, is Ben had 158 innings pitched that year. So 
so Paul Skeens will actually get to that number or very close to it in just 100 or so innings. Hmm. If he gets to 124 innings, if he were to double up, I mean, do the math, he'd be at 240-something strikeouts and only 24 walks. It's unbelievable. It's almost as unbelievable as your ability to recall those stats uh, off the top of your head. For those who are listening, Doug is driving and not looking at I the stats. I, yeah. I, I just did it today. I just did it today. I just went over it this morning because I knew I was going to talk to you, and I'm very curious. Uh, in fact, my guy Todd Poliz, he's the best. He has the he can find out where Ben McDonald was in that 1989 season after 65 innings, and I couldn't. I couldn't quite get to that information this morning. So, an equal comparison where the two pitchers were in their, you know, in their, you know, record-breaking seasons. It looks like um, I don't have that, but that strikeout per nine innings kind of says it all. Seventeen, I think it was seventeen point oh two strikeouts per nine innings, which leads the country. Uh, by the way, his one hundred and twenty-four strikeouts leads the country by. 27 or 30 yep. strikeouts, something yep. like that. Yep, just looked up That's that one crazy. too. That's it's, it's insane. And what's even crazier is that we're making comparisons to Ben McDonald and Todd Walker and Aaron Nola, and it's almost like we're making these comparisons to these LSU legends, and all these players are on one team, uh, which is why this team is and, and, where they are. And Jacob, and Jacob DeGrom. I mean, we're talking about Jacob DeGrom <laughs> as well, right? Like, this kid is unlike anything we've ever seen. And listen – it's taken me a long time to, to, you know, to come out of the closet and say that because I have so much respect and reverence for all of those sure. names you just mentioned. And then 15, 20, 30, 40 more with Alex Lang and Renato and Coogan and Laxton and OJ and I could go on and on. We all could go on and on. That's why this program is so great. And a lot of those guys I just said are major leaguers, but Paul Skeens, Although he'll never be remembered as the greatest ever at LSU because that title will always belong to Big Ben. Uh, I, I will always tell that story because that's the way Skip Bergman tells it. He started it, and that's when the butts really started getting in the seats. And, uh, you know, he was maybe one of the most athletic pitchers in the history of college baseball. So Big Ben and Todd Walker, to me, are the kings. Uh, they always will be. But these two guys this year, and then Tommy White, you got to mix Trey Morgan in there as well. Yep. There's so many of these great players that will forever be remembered uh, because of what they're doing on the field and the passion they play with. I mean, I don't. You mentioned that you followed back in the mid early '90s. I can't tell you how many times this year, uh, either being at the box or doing the games at the box or whatever that I've literally had the chill bumps because it's so reminiscent hmm. of back in those special times when uh, there's a couple times this year when Tommy White came up to bat and the whole place started to chant Tommy. And, I, I mean, I could literally hear Eddie mm -hmm. uh, 30 years ago the way it used to be. So I can't wait for the rest of the season. Uh, knock on woods, we just stay status quo right where we've been because that will mean that we're hosting at the box throughout regional and super regional play hopefully and if that happens you got a good chance to be in omaha um that's for sure so uh, what a great season it's been man it's been awesome it, it reminds me of my childhood going out in the backyard and throwing the tennis ball against the wall and pretending i was trey mcclure pretending i was russ johnson or brandon larson or blair barbier right <laughs> it, and, it's funny and it's funny you say that um I, you know, I coach a lot now, headed, you know, to Memphis right now with my nine-year-old. And uh, across the state of Louisiana, you would not believe the number of kids that are leaning backwards with their bat pointed to the ground, uh, <laughs> waiting for the pitcher to start his windup, just like Dylan Cruz. And uh, I was talking to somebody about that the other day, who's about my age. 
And they were like, yeah, when we were growing up, everybody at the Dixie Youth Park was trying to hit like Todd Walker. That's so, right. Uh, these guys, uh, that's the best part about it, right? I mean, LSU fans are the best. The community, uh, when LSU really starts to get hot, there's so much pride involved and the kids come out. And the kids, you know, we know, will remember this for the next 30, 40 years. They're going to remember who Dylan Cruz was. Uh, and they think of him as, you know, they, as a baseball god. And that's the way it should be. Absolutely. All that's left is, is for the Tigers to finish the job. There's a long way until that happens, but a big series this weekend against Auburn. Long road ahead. Long road ahead, and you've got a long road ahead too, so we'll let you get back to it, Doug. I, I know you're busy and, and driving to baseball, so we very, very much appreciate your time uh, and for joining us today. All right, Cody, man. Thanks a lot, and go Tigers. All right. Thank you. That's Doug Thompson. Thank you for listening to this edition of Tigers Morning.